0: That's right. It's time once again to listen to Stomp Tokyo, the cult movie's podcast, hosted by me, Chris Holland. And me, Scott Hamilton. And this is episode nine? Nine. nine episode nine. Awesome. Uh and today I think we got a lot of follow up today.
1: Yeah. Um just
0: things we talked about before and had more to talk about. I wanna start with, with the with Gamma. Okay. What about Gamma? Uh, well, so was it the last episode or the episode before that, where we discovered that the uh Blu ray for Gamera three had a quote from us on the front? Yes. Uh, well. Perhaps not as prestigious placement, but uh, we were also quote mined for the uh, original, uh, Gamera reboot and Gamera two combo Blu Ray. Yes, yay! So yeah. that brings the total of Stomp <laughs> Tokyo quotes on Blu- uh, on DVD covers up to three. <laughs> yes, um,
1: yeah, it's 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 nice to. It's nice that they quoted us though, because you know we were total love fest for those two movies. So I suppose because they're sense. awesome. Yeah, um, I rewatched Gamma Two recently, and that that's still an excellent movie. I love that one.
0: I remember watching the first uh, Gamma Guardian of the Universe um, on you know a fuzzy VHS crappy copy, and watching those computer generated missiles. You know, you, from the perspective of the missile launcher shooting towards Gamera. Yeah. And just being like, like, this is it. This is what giant monster movies are going to be about, you know? <laughs> so, I was pretty happy. Yeah. So, it's really nice to be uh, a part of that in some small, tiny way. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. Um, now I just have to start writing, you know, completely uh, gushing reviews of, of otherwise obscure movies. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're they're going to be on Blu-ray. Yes. Yes. We we talked a little bit about Ingagi
0: a couple of episodes ago. Is it Ingagi or Ingagi, or does no one know? I no one knows because knows. it's because yeah. nobody's seen the movie.
1: Yeah, and it was a silent movie. Um, so, Even so, better. <laughs> yes. Um, whichever one it is. The uh, so you bad. mentioned that. Well, I mean, one thing that we meant, that I mentioned was that it, the movie actually got sued uh, for pretending to be a documentary when it is when it is not. Correct. In in kind of a, a way that wouldn't be so much of a problem today.
0: Um, but you want to bring up the example of Catfish? I did. I, you know, we talked about Blair Witch Project last time, yeah. and how everybody pretty much knew that Blair Witch Project was was fiction. Except for morons. Uh, <laughs> but a more recent and sort of more nuanced example of this is um, an actual documentary that was out last year, two years ago, recently. Uh, uh, last, called,
1: a couple years ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, called Catfish. Yes. Uh, and Catfish is, you know, is billed as a legitimate documentary. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but. About two-thirds of the way through the film, you get the idea that the filmmakers know a little bit more about the situation they're getting into than they let on. And the filmmakers are, you know, a part of the action. They're not, you know, it's not filmed from a... Objective third party view that they're part of the story.
1: Yes, I mean, I mean, t- just to give the, the setup of what happens in the movie is that there are basically, I guess, they're supposed to be roommates, and I think there's three roommates, or maybe it's two roommates and a friend. And basically, one of the, you know, it's these three guys, and one of them is kind of embarking on this online romance over Facebook with a woman he's never met. And apparently his roommates are, are filming this because, I guess, the idea is that they, they think it would be interesting. And then, as you say, you know, after, you know, they, they find out all this stuff, you
0: know... After they discover more about who the woman is and, and what she's actually like, I mean, the main character is carrying on a romantic relationship over Facebook, basically. Yeah. And it quickly... I don't say quickly... Over the course of the film, it becomes obvious that perhaps she is not all that she seems. Yeah. So the and the, 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 I the I filmmakers,
1: I guess we'll call all of them filmmakers to make it easy, even if the one guy is kind of the subject of the film, go to vi- you know make a surprise visit to the woman, um, and and that's where where it, it kind of becomes a question of did the filmmakers kind of know what was going to happen when, when they go visit her. Um, yeah, it's...
0: The the other part of the film that's a little fishy is the, the final scene where um, a, a tertiary character sort of wraps up the meaning of the film in a, a very cute two or three minute little speech. Mm-hmm. And it's... I think... I, like a lot of people, came away from it feeling like it's just a little too neat. A little too well-wrapped of a package. A
1: little too manipulative?
0: Yeah, but just, you know, uh, that unprompted this guy should have such an apt metaphor for the experience that these people had been through and the kind of person that the mystery woman is... It just seems a little too too neat. Yeah. Now, if you watch the, the DVD for this, you will see that there's, you know, a very long um, discussion by the filmmakers on how much they knew or didn't know, and they protest their innocence to the skies. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day... I don't think I really care. (laughs) But it does prove that, you know, there's some room left in filmmaking for, you know, for that sort of deceit.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the reverse angle, though, where it's more... I mean, these people were not making an out-and-out fictional movie and pretending it was a documentary. They were making a documentary, but I think the question is how... uh, the, it's, the, the question is, did, the, does the documentary an honest appraisal of how they came by this information, or did they have some of that information before they started making the movie?
0: Yeah. I, I think if they had... Every documentary is, is a work of fiction in one way or another. Sure, sure. Be, just because of what you choose to show and, and not show. It's a story. It's a narrative. Uh, I think what's disingenuous about what the Catfish guys did allegedly did, is to sort of play innocent uh, through a portion of the movie where they might not have been innocent. And, you know, when uh, Morgan Spurlock <clears throat> makes a movie and, you know, says he's going to eat McDonald's for 30 days and see what happens, like, that's, that's an altogether different kind of documentary from, from what these guys purported to have done. I don't know that I would have thought any less of them if they had discovered. Oh wait, this person isn't who she says he, she is, and we're going to go expose her or going to try and get her to you know um, incriminate herself. Uh, instead, what they did was sort of went. Well, I'd really like to meet this girl. Let's go out and, and meet her. Surprise! Do-do-do. So. No, I, I agree. It's kind of a. It's kind of a
1: gray area, no matter how you how you cut it.
0: Did it make a better movie? maybe
1: probably I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean it was definitely not the kind of movie which I should have been watching because I don't really like watching people be embarrassed and you know the second half of that movie is nothing but horribly uncomfortable embarrassing situations that's true
0: and yet you'll watch Albert Pugh movies <laughs> yes I will which is nothing but people embarrassing themselves but so they're doing it for money
1: yes At at least their motives are pure pure in that case. Right. Um, You know, I I thought it would be nice, you know, back in our Stomp Tokyo days, we gave Albert Pune a lot of crap.
0: Yes, we did. So, uh, does that Google bomb still exist?
1: (laughs) You know, I think that Google bomb kind of went away to a certain extent. Tell Um, them what
0: the Google bomb was.
1: Well, the Google bomb was that if you put in the... Greatest,
0: shoot, what was it? It was like the worst director ever.
1: No, it was greatest, greatest filmmaker of all time.
0: Was it really? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I Google bombed it to greatest filmmaker of all time, and for a while, it it was working pretty well.
0: So it would it would land you on if you Google. Let's try it now. Greatest filmmaker ever. Okay, Greatest Filmmaker of All Time
1: Yeah, I think it had to be Greatest Filmmaker of All Time
0: And that the top hit would be Albert Pugh Yes, would be Albert Pugh's IMDb page Yeah, it's not, not the case anymore, yeah, I, my I, friend
1: I, Yeah, Google Google has really changed the way that uh, Has really changed the way that You know, that that kind of thing ha- It's a lot harder Basically, it's a lot harder to Google bomb now Than it, than
0: it used to be at that point Sure um, but, yes, it was pretty funny. So, Albert Pugh, who is he? What does he want? How will, how will he get it? <laughs>
1: uh, well, where do we start? Well, I mean, we, we start in the, in, the, in the 1980s, and he, he was basically a low-budget filmmaker. He made things like The Sword and the Sorcerer and uh, Alien from L.A., which was on Mystery Science Theater. Um, and he made, uh, the original Captain America... Well, not the original Captain America movie, but the, uh, the early 90s Captain America movie where Captain America has rubber ears and, uh, is played by J.D. Salinger's son. Um, and then in the 90s he discovered cyborg movies and he made a, a bunch, like, Nemesis and, uh... Um, Heatseeker was another one. Um, there was, what, like, three Nemesis movies. Um... And, uh... I uh, I knew we reviewed Hong Kong 97, which had Robert Patrick. And he made a movie with, uh... Adrenaline Fear the Rush that Natasha Hentridge was in, but, um, she refused to talk about. Which was a good sign. Um... Because she became, like... She was in Species almost immediately thereafter. But she refused to talk about Adrenaline. Um... And then, kind of, in the early two thousands, he kind of dropped. He kind of dropped out. There was a, apparently a, a controversy over uh, the filming of a movie called Max Havoc, um, where it may have been kind of a, a tax ripoff in in the, uh, in, the uh, in Guam. And you know, he didn't he didn't really make any movies, but he seems to be he seems to be coming back. He's got a, a movie called, coming up called Tales of an Ancient Empire. I don't know that it's out on video yet, but it's a sequel to Sword of the Sorcerer. And uh, he's also been working on a movie called Road to Hell. And, uh, you know, he's actually got a Facebook page and everything these days. Um, so if you if you really want to uh, buy a director's cut of uh, Captain America or uh, or Adrenaline Field the Rush, he will sell them to you. I guess we should also mention that uh, the Tune did direct Cyborg, the one with... Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Maybe not quite the movie that that made Van Damme's career, but definitely a a significant early movie for him.
0: Yeah, so we definitely reviewed uh, Captain America 1 Lava Lamp. (laughs) Didn't we do Nemesis, though? I'm looking. All right, Omega Doom. Yeah, Omega Doom,
1: Hong Kong 97, Nemesis 3, and definitely Captain America
0: Okay. um,
1: Spitfire. Spitfire. Oh, that was when Lance Henriksen is the bad guy.
0: Captain America. Wow, we reference Pune a lot in other reviews. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) 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 Craw the Sea Monster.
1: I I think he was kind of our whipping boy for a while there. Yeah,
0: Transers 2. Wow, we really... We kind of kind of kicked him when he was down. So so bring us up to speed. He's selling uh, director's cuts on his website and making more movies? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's
1: apparently working on Road to Hell right now, and uh, he, I mean, they're talking about Mean Guns too. <sighs> I don't know why we need another one. Now, uh, you know, the funny thing is that if you go and you look for this stuff on the internet, you find out that They've been working on Road to Hell since nineteen ninety or since two thousand and eight, uh, and you know Mean Guns too since the same year. So who knows, who knows how close any of these are to actually being finished.
0: I find the fact that Albert Pune is able to continue to find an audience for his movies through Facebook and whatnot a compelling argument against the existence of the internet.
1: <laughs> oh come on there are people who love Christopher Lambert and Kevin Sorbo and want to see them be in a sequel to Sword and the Sorcerer and those people are going to be able to to see Tales of an Ancient Empire woohoo I'm probably not going to be one of them but you know there you go
0: so Kevin Sorbo like he did Hercules he did um what was that uh, Andromeda,
1: I guess it was? Yeah, he was on Andromeda, and then he made he was in a couple of movies what was one of them, a black something the one where he was a trucker mm-hmm. and he was in uh, Call the Conqueror
0: He was in the OC for, wow a couple of years, seven episodes worth mm-hmm. um, and he's made a crap load of movies yeah. a crap load of movies very low
1: budget movies so, though.
0: and and, and he's been like in one episode of a Jillian uh tv shows uh video games tv movies god of war 3 as the voice of hercules how about that yeah wait there's a tv series called don't trust the bitch in apartment 23 no how did i miss this (laughs) (laughs) where are you seeing that i want to see it it's, it's, well, it's it's Don't Trust the B dash 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 dat in Apartment 23.
1: What year is it? TV
0: series. T- 2011. Let's find out what this is about. See, this is the part of the show where we just sort of wander the internet. Yeah, apparently you're looking at something different than what I'm looking at, but uh, that's okay. Centers on Chloe, a New York party girl with the morals of a pirate who bullies and causes trouble for her naive small town roommate, June. Christian Ritter, Driama Walker, James Vanderbeek. As himself. <laughs> is this, a, is this a TV show or a TV series? 2011. Huh. Uh. Yeah, season one, year 2012. Okay.
1: Um, I don't know how you make a whole series
0: out of that, but. Uh... Oh come on! They made. Uh, production company ABC Studios. Where Where is this airing? Probably on some
1: like Canadian. Uh, TV series show or something.
0: James Vanderbeek talks playing James Vanderbeek. Oh wait, no, it hasn't. It hasn't aired yet. Yes. Well, Kevin Sorbo will be in it. What the hell? <laughs> no, they're,
1: they're saying this is gonna this is gonna premiere next month as a compliment to Modern Family. Are they on drugs? Yeah, it's
0: gonna play on ABC. That's insane. Heck yeah. Wow. It's going to be awesome. I'm not going to watch it. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Rosalind Chow. Uh, the last time I saw her was in, God, Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the entire run of which is on uh, Netflix now, Netflix streaming. Oh, really? That's cool. God, I, I don't think I could tolerate that.
1: Um. Yeah. Wow, that is
0: that is something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, she's been on a lot of stuff too. I mean, All right. See, this is we're just wandering the internet again. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we have nothing else scheduled to talk about, we just need to wrap it up. Uh,
1: sure. Just one other thing. Do you watch Modern Family?
0: I do not. Yeah, I okay. uh, I only have room for one Michael Scott character in my life, and until recently, that was Michael Scott. Gotcha. And since that, that show has a Michael Scott character in it, I, I just can't watch that show. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean you it's know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody who's so self-absorbed as to be oblivious to the reactions of other people?
1: Well, I don't know that that's kind of...
0: Uh, there are a couple of characters on Modern Family who are exactly like that.
1: Uh, sort of. I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't watch The
1: Office,
0: so... Um, yeah, I don't watch The Office regularly anymore, but... Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. That character kind of played itself out for me. And I think the, not the um, the older dad character, but sort of the middle-aged dad character, is that guy for me in that show. Yeah.
1: And, and yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the, I can see where he's sort of similar. Um, but the show in general has a, has a great cast.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not arguing that. I just, you know. Yeah, only have so much room for for watching anything. I mean, not to go into the "I'm an old man, get off my lawn" territory again, but you know, the kids get to bed by seven thirty eight, and then I've got you know basically ninety minutes before I collapse. So I try and fill that ninety minutes with something you know that I actually really truly enjoy watching.
1: I'm, I'm just kind of curious that they're gonna take their that they're gonna take Modern Family, which is their kind of flagship comedy now right on, now on ABC and pair it up with something called Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23.
0: That's I don't know. so bizarre. Yeah, have you seen Happy Endings? No, I have not. That, to me, is is their best comic going right now. Oh, really? Happy Endings is it's basically um, it is the most twisted and smart uh, play on the Friends concept That anybody's ever done Gotcha Um, And it's got Casey Wilson um, Who's just amazing And it's, I don't know Um, It's got Hold on Um, One of the (laughs) Wayans One of them? (laughs) Yes, yes, the the Wayans Jr. Marlon or uh, Damon? Uh, Hold on, Damon Wayans Jr., yes Um, Who is funny Funny, funny, funny And, And his dad shows up in the first season playing his dad. It's pretty okay. good. But yeah, Elisha Cuspert, uh, Eliza Coot, um all people you've seen in other things, but just being super, super funny. Yeah. And I'm sure it's all on Hulu. Yeah, probably.
1: Probably. Yeah. Well, let's get back to one more quick B-movie thing. So last night I decided to watch uh, Murders in the Room Org. Okay. Um, the 1986 version. You know, speaking of, everybody in it was somebody who we who recognized. Um, because it stars George C. Scott as Alexander Dupin. Um, but then it's got, like, uh, Ian McShane before we knew who he was is in it. Um, Val Kilmer is in it for some reason. I mean, okay. Where is nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty six in comparison to Top Gun? That's
0: after Top Gun, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, I think it's like right on the the cusp there.
1: Yeah. Now, Top Gun was the same year, so maybe it yeah. was maybe it was pre-fame, pre-fame Val Kilmer. Um, you know, the kind of the it just struck me that the problem with Murder in the Rue Morgue is that. I, uh, everybody knows the ending. I mean, like, how do you how do you make a, a an interesting movie out of out of that? I don't know because I, I I can imagine that anybody who would care enough, you know, already knows who the, the who the killer is. You know, big spoiler it's a it's a monkey. <laughs> it's an orangutan, mm-hmm. um, and it, it doesn't. And you know, as much as as influential as Poe's story is, it doesn't really make sense that it's
0: a that it's a monkey. Um, I, I don't know, Scott. I'm I'm not exactly sure that everyone knows. Yeah, but uh, you uh, know, I mean, especially
1: in the eighties, that may be. But I just think that everyone who would actually sit through it, who would sit through that much, you know. Americans and pretending to be French people in the 19th century, you know, if you're going to sit through that, you probably already know that an orangutan is the killer. Don't you think?
0: Uh, no, you don't think so? I, honestly, I couldn't say. Yeah. I mean, number one, it's something that's in the, the public domain. Yeah. So you don't have to pay anybody for the rights to it. Well, there, there's that, sure. Um, was it a TV movie? Yeah, it was a TV movie. Okay, so there, there you go. Like, in the, in the 70s and 80s, you know, television channels had to have something to air. And, you know, TV movies were it. You know, original TV movies were the, the way that you sort of had something new and fresh to offer your audience. And you just pumped them out. It didn't matter how good or bad they were. It just mattered that they were, you know... Cheap entertainment that nobody had seen before.
1: I, I guess. I mean, it just struck me you know, it's that the whole movie was basically treading water until the revelation that it's that it's an orangutan. And you know, so kind of the way they tried to add some stuff is by having Dupin be kind of a curmudgeon who's 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 trying to avoid the world and he has a daughter and his daughter's fiancé gets accused of the murder. So that's kind of how they add try to add an hour of material at the beginning of the movie so that something is happening other than just Dupin so, figuring out to monkey.
0: So Val Kilmer plays the orangutan?
1: No. no.
0: Uh, Are you sure? Yes. Because if I you know what I have lots of respect for Val Kilmer actually <laughs> and I think he could pull that off. <laughs> you know I, I will say
1: it was, a, it was a surprisingly good orangutan suit they used at the end. Not necessarily realistic, but but pretty uh, pretty good looking, and and luckily they never try to actually show the the orangutan doing anything. Mm. So like whenever it attacks people, it's from the orangutan's point of view, because having the guy in the monkey suit strangling people would have been way too goofy.
0: I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean that's your it's your homework for next time is to yeah. uh, research the origins of. The TV movie "Murders in the <laughs> more or less unneeded than "Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. <laughs> less needed, probably, but uh, because Do you, you really know, think James Vanderbeek needs the uh, the vanity vehicle?
1: Yes. Well, you know, Pacey has his own TV show, so why can't uh, why can't uh, Oh
0: Pacey's TV show is good? Yes, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that he is. Has graduated beyond the pacey days. Yeah, you're probably right. I should. Be. Of all the people on that cast, you know, the one who who can stake the greatest claim. Okay, second greatest claim to being a legitimate actor. Uh, who would be first? Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: right. She was on that.
0: Yeah, and she's done amazing things in this last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, last couple absolutely. Years. Yeah, absolutely. other than
0: than you know having horrible tragic things happen to her. And that
1: Um, too,
0: but... But no, she's made some great, great movies. Yes. Uh, But yeah, that guy, and we'll bring it back around to the, you know, genre cult thing, Fringe is probably, so far, from a a story point of view, the series that has come out of the J.J. Abrams, you know, uh, fold with the most integrity. Yeah. You know, I mean, Lost absolutely just lost it. No pun. Pun fully intended, I guess. After, like, the fourth fourth season? Something like that? Um, the, the ending. The final season, at the very least, was just utter garbage.
1: Uh, I didn't mind it,
0: but... Whatever. That show went off the rails so hard... Like, I was so confident in what they were going to do with... Like, they've got the ending in mind. They know where they're going. You know, they've got... They know what's going to happen. And the ending was such a disappointment. Um, I just hope they don't do the same thing with Fringe. If it turns out that, you know, in Fringe, the the fairies from space are going to come help out, no. Uh-uh. <laughs>
1: um, I, yeah, I mean, it's not really clear if Fringe is going to get picked up for another season. So I'm kind of afraid that we're going to have another one of those series where they're going to kind of end on a cliffhanger rather than resolving damn it yeah Um, which is always I think too bad Um, or you know maybe they'll find out in time and be able to you know be able to write the last episode so that so that we get some closure
0: I don't know. I, I It's a toss-up between whether I prefer having just the cliffhanger or whether I prefer having them rush a closure episode, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, e- either way, it's probably going to be disappointing, so.
0: Thanks. Thanks for the bring-down, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. I do my best. Uh, <laughs> what's the point of being J.J. J. Abrams if you can't, you know... Can't can't force the network's hand on stuff like this. Just one more season. Give us one more season and we'll wrap it up, we promise. Yeah. Or a mini season like why why can't we do things the British way? Where it's like you get you know, six episode runs and if you can do something with that, great. Um, but if if it doesn't work out, you know, nobody spent too much money and time investing.
1: Yeah. No, that's just not the way that, that we're set up. Though, you know, HBO and, and Showtime are getting more and more like that. I mean, uh, you know, Game of Thrones was only ten episode seasons. Right. Uh, which I think was probably for the best. You know, it meant they could spend more money on fewer episodes, and those episodes looked great. Yeah. And they didn't really uh, didn't really have that much padding,
0: which was nice. I just want to know when we're going to see a second series of Jekyll.
1: I don't think you're ever going to see a second series no, of Jekyll. No, me neither,
0: but I can, I can hope. getting getting more episodes of Sherlock is about as close as I'm ever going to get to that, I know
1: probably yeah, I don't think that Stephen Moffat has any intention of revisiting Jekyll which was, it was a great series Uh, you know, and obviously again the ending was kind of that, you know it could be the ending, and it was kind of a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. um, kind kind of deal, but yeah I don't think anyone's talked about it going back to that
0: Well, he's got Doctor Who. What does he need Jekyll for?
1: Exactly. He's got Doctor Who. He's got Sherlock. He's plenty busy.
0: Yeah. Oh, so long as the episodes keep coming.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know when the next Sherlock is coming.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh, I thought it was scheduled, uh, but I I, I couldn't swear to that.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I think they've talked about doing it, but, uh, you know... Both Martin Freeman and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch are uh, mm. are pretty busy, so um, it you know probably won't be till 2013 in, in any case.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I can't imagine uh, either of those guys, you know, minds doing them. Right? I mean, they've got to be great as an actor to to be able to do those parts and have those scripts. Yeah. I mean, you're playing Sherlock and Holmes and Watson for Pete's sake.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, 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 it's you know, not going to be any lack of will on their part. It could be a matter of them becoming so highly in demand that the BBC won't be able to afford them anymore.
0: Yeah, see, I don't believe that. I think it was... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I want to quote Will Smith, but um, I think it was Will Smith who's, who said that um, when all parties involved really wanted to do a project, money is never the, the limiting factor. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, well, if Benedict Cumberbatch moves to Los Angeles, then
0: uh, then you'll know it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Watch them move the series to L.A. Well,
1: they're talking about that, though. There's apparently an American Sherlock Holmes series coming up that someone has yeah. ordered the pilot for called Elementary.
0: Yeah, um, and apparently uh, BBC isn't, isn't too happy about it.
1: Yeah, someone at the BBC isn't too happy about it. But Sherlock is actually played by uh, John Lee Miller. I think that's the guy's mm-hmm. name. Yeah. yeah. Um, John Lee Miller was in the Frankenstein play with Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, that Danny Boyle did, where essentially the two of them would switch roles every night, so one night Benedict Cumberbatch would be playing the monster and John Lee Miller would be playing the doctor, and then the the next night they'd switch, um, which sounded really fun, um, Plus, it meant that people would probably want to buy two tickets. So I'm sure it was great from that perspective. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it did really well. It was supposed to be really good. Um, so it is kind of kind of a, a funny little coincidence that uh, now both of those actors are going to be playing Sherlock.
0: Well, we intended to keep this episode short, but we blabbed on again. Again. Wandered Again. Well. <laughs> but uh, thanks for going with us on this little... Uh, stream of consciousness trip through cult movies and the internet my name is Chris Holland I'm Scott Hamilton find the show notes at cultmoviespodcast.com and we'll see you next time